This is the word of the Lord. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may, al- you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You guys can have a seat, and I want to welcome up the Reverend Dr. Alex Wright. He's actually not a doctor, but he is a reverend. Alex, you can go ahead and come on up, and as he's coming up, I just want to welcome you again to worship with us. Uh, you are the, you're the faithful remnant that has not been taken out by sickness, or maybe you've already gotten through it, so we're glad that you're here with us. Um, Alex is an uh, ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church of America, our denomination. Uh, he and his wife moved to town how long ago? Six months ago, they live on the west side, and they're exploring and preparing for church planting over there. He's preached here before. We let, we're glad to have him back, so I just want to give him an introduction. Alex, I'll hand it to you. Oh, yes, sorry. I forgot. Let me dismiss kids. If you are a child age two to seven and you want to go downstairs for kids' church today, you can do that at this time, or you can stay up here and worship with us. We're happy to have you either way. again. As uh, Pastor Billy mentioned, uh, my name is Alex. Uh, My family is here this morning. I also have with me my wife, Curran, two boys, uh, Ezekiel and Malachi. We're thankful to be back here to worship with you all. Uh, It was a joy to be with you uh, a few weeks ago. I'm very thankful to see what God is doing here at this church in this neighborhood And my family just continues to want to learn from you all, and so we're thankful. This morning, uh, the passage that was just read uh, from John 14, for most of you, you may know these are words of Christ that are coming towards the end of his 
life on earth before he goes to the cross. And just to give you a sense of what's going on, Jesus is speaking to his disciples at a time in which they are very scared and confused. And that's why he says, first of all, let not your hearts be troubled because they are tempted to be troubled right now. Jesus is leaving at what appears to be the height of his success on earth. Uh, if, if this was the time in which Jesus wanted to proclaim himself as the king, the earthly king of Israel, this would be the time to do it. He's at the capital. Uh, he's got people following him. The crowds seem seemingly seem <clears throat> to love him. And so now, right before this uh, moment of triumph, he's saying, I'm leaving. And so that's, that's setting the stage for, for where this, this, this passage, these words are coming from. And there, there's a phrase uh, that ties into this passage, and, and it, it's, it's sort of in our culture right now, uh, and you prob- some of you have probably heard it. The phrase is, this is the way. And if any of you have seen the show on Disney+, Plus, The Mandalorian, you know, it, it comes from that show, This is the Way. And for those of you who haven't seen the show, the, the main character, this, this warrior in Star Wars, is part of this, uh, it's, almost, it's pretty much a religion uh, that there are certain rules and codes that he has to follow if he is to be a Mandalorian warrior. And so this is a phrase that he repeats and that other, other soldiers repeat to him, this is the way. You need to do these things. For example, never remove your helmet if you're a Mandalorian warrior. And that's a good illustration for what all of us to some degree participate in. We all have uh, rituals and rules that tie in to a specific way of life that we believe if we follow this way, it will lead to a good result, to a good end. Uh, my, my day job uh, at this time in my ministry is, uh, I'm one of the chaplains at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And one of the things we do as a chaplain when we meet families is we do what's called spiritual assessments. And so we are assessing what, what spiritual resources are people turning to while they're in the hospital. And as you can imagine, at a hospital like Children's, the, the number of rituals and, and resources that people turn to is, is innumerable. Uh, there's, there's just so many different uh, religions represented there. And so this is a human condition that we, we are following a way. And as we're going to see, Jesus flips that. He, he flips it in a way that is startling as we're about to see. And he's going to flip it in a way that, that shows how he meets our deepest needs. You see, the deepest need that we have, and there's, there's so many needs present in this room, and they're all important needs. The, the deepest need we have, though, is to be reconnected with our God, with our Creator, to walk in fellowship with him again, as we once did in the Garden of Eden. That is our deepest need. And I want to show you from this passage this morning how Jesus meets our deepest needs. And that's the nugget, if, if you will, I want you to take home with you today is Jesus meets our deepest needs. Let me pray one more time before we really dig in.
Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're, you're here right now and that you work in and through weakness. Lord, we pray that your word would penetrate our hearts this morning, and that you would open our ears and our hearts to receive what you have to say. In Christ's name, amen. Jesus meets our deepest needs. And the first need <clears throat> that I want you to see is that Jesus meets our need for a place with God. For a place with God. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And I love how Jesus says, he says in verse 2, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And I just want to point out how the reason Jesus says, if I, he says, if I said it, it's going to happen, right? If it wasn't going to happen, I would never have said it to you. And Jesus is the only person in history who said exactly what he meant and meant exactly what he said. I just, I just love how Jesus points that out to his disciples and points it out to us. If he said it, it will happen because he has all the authority and the power. And when I was growing up and I read this passage and I heard Jesus say, I'm going to prepare a place for you, sometimes it was presented to me as if like Jesus is going up to heaven to rearrange furniture, you know, he's getting, he's getting the guest room ready uh, for us. And, uh, and what Jesus is saying here is, I, I'm going to prepare a place for you in this way. I'm going to the cross to die for your sins, and to be raised from the dead. That is the way that Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. He is going ahead to remove the barrier of sin that keeps us from having a place with God, that deep need that we have. He is going to purchase a guaranteed space for all of you who trust in him. You know, when you go, if, you, if any of you have gone to a Reds game or to another sports game, there's, there's, two, there's, one, there's a few ways that you can go about going. You can buy the tickets beforehand, right, and that secures a space for you to go into the stadium, or you can, you can show up to the stadium, and, and there's always people who are selling tickets, you know, outside the stadium. You, you can try to get a ticket from one of them, but it's not guaranteed. You don't know how much space is left in the stadium for you or if you can get a ticket. And so when Jesus says he goes to prepare a place for you, he's saying, I have purchased the tickets. They are guaranteed for you. There is a place for you in my kingdom. And if you remember from the beginning of Jesus' life, the birth narrative in the Gospel of Luke we remember that there was no place for Jesus in the inn. The one for whom there was no place in Bethlehem is not going to let that happen to his people. There will be a place for us. Jesus meets our need for a place. And all of us here and outside this room, whether you are a believer in Christ yet or not, all of us feel this longing for home, for a place, for a place of security and comfort. We're all looking for that. 
You know, when I lived in Price Hill in the 90s, it, it simultaneously was a period of my life that was incredibly exciting and fun. It was, it was one of my favorite places that I lived as a child. I loved my school. I loved the house that we lived in. Um, but it was also a place of brokenness because it was where my parents separated. And so all of us, we face that, that conflict, right? That even, even the best homes that we have, there's brokenness in there. There's sin. And some of us know that maybe more than others. And so there's this deep longing that we have for a place, and ultimately a place with God. Jesus says he goes to prepare a place for us. He meets our deepest need. But second, Jesus meets our, our deepest needs. He meets our need to know the way to God. Our need to know the way to God. He says, you know, in verse four, you know the way to where I am going. And isn't it, it, it's almost humorous that immediately Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we, how can we know the way? And what Jesus is highlighting is sometimes we know more than we think we know. And Jesus gives us the reason why. Because when Thomas asks, how can we know the way, right? He wants Jesus to say, this is the way. Here are the steps that you must follow. Here are the directions that you have to follow to get to where I'm going. He flips it. And this is the big flip. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't say, this is the way. He says, I am the way. The way to God is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And doesn't that lift a burden off of your shoulders this morning? Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the what the world presents us is a set of rules, a set of steps that we must take to get to God or to get to the good life. And at the end of the day, it all depends on us being able to follow those rules, being able to, to follow those steps. And hopefully, maybe we get to the end and we have the good life. But Jesus flips it and says, if you want to know, Christ, if you want to know God, you have I, I am the access point. I am the entrance way to the Father. And he doesn't just say, I am the way. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Why does he go on to say he is the truth and the life? Because, it's because of this. Because Jesus is the truth. Because he is life. He is the way. He is the way to the Father. Jesus meets our deepest needs by showing us the way to God. But thirdly, Jesus meets our deepest needs and he meets the need to see God, to see God. He says, he says to Philip, after Philip asked this question, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Think of how 
radical a statement that is, that Jesus, the man, is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen God. And maybe you can sympathize with Philip here, right? Philip Philip is basically saying, Lord, give us a vision of the Father. Give us a vision that's so amazing, it removes all doubt. It removes all uncertainty so that we'll know for certain that you are from God. And Jesus is disturbed by this, right? He's disturbed by this, this statement from Philip. He says, I, have I been with you so long that you still don't know me? You know that feeling when you're trying to convince someone that you love, that, that you care for them, that you love them, that, that it's gonna be okay? Maybe you're trying to, to comfort one of your children, for those of you who have children. You, you know how, how, uh, how much it hurts when, when the person you love is it doesn't trust that you care about them. Jesus is feeling that right now. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And this is, this is highlighting a, a mystery here. We, we could call it a Trinitarian mystery. Um, how, and, and, and Jesus highlights this in John chapter 5 where he says that he only does what he sees the Father doing. And so, you know, the Father and the Son, the, the two members, uh, two of the members of the Trinity, they act in perfect harmony. They're never in conflict with each other. And so this is why Jesus can say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Everything that Jesus did or said while he was on earth communicated what God the Father is like. And so this is why Jesus says, believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, as you have believed in God, you can trust me the same way. And that is a radical, startling statement that Jesus meets this need for us to see God. What, is it, what does that, even that phrase mean, to see God? Because I think there, there are two extremes that we and the broader world around us have when it comes to the desire to see God. Some people will say, well, you can't see God because God is so other, he's so distant, you know, there, there's no way we could understand who God is because he's just so beyond our perception. The other extreme is to make God so manageable, so small, you know, when, when people try to contain uh, God in the form of an idol or an image. But both of those extremes are bridged by Christ, who, who at the same time demonstrates the power and the otherness and the holiness of God, and yet he's accessible to us. He's, he's one of us. He meets that need for us to see and experience God. Because you remember way back at the beginning of the scriptures, Adam and Eve, they, they walked in the Garden of Eden with God. And all of what Jesus is doing while he was on earth was bringing us back to that place of wholeness, of complete peace before the presence of God. And Philip's question is convicting for us because it shows that we want to meet God on our own terms. We want God to show himself to us on our terms. And, and we're not expecting the way that Jesus came to show God. He came not in power, but in weakness. 
He came with gentleness. He didn't come as a conquering king in the way that we would, some of us would imagine God to come. He came as the prince of peace. It startles our expectations. And of course, for a lot of us, we want to know God, to see God before we're redeemed by God. And what Jesus is showing by his life and his ministry is that for us to see God, we must first be redeemed, we must first be saved, we must first be changed by the Holy Spirit. That is how we will gain access to God. And of course, on this side of the cross, you know, some of you may be thinking to yourself, well, okay, the apostles have seen Jesus the man. We haven't seen Jesus in the flesh. Okay, that's fair. But what we have and what the, who the apostles didn't even have yet is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, as Jesus talks about later in, in this, in a few chapters, is that the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to us through the words of Scripture. So that as you read this text, as you meditate on it, the Holy Spirit is actually working through this text to reveal Christ to you so that more and more we come to know and experience God. Jesus meets our deepest needs. And that is, that is where we're heading, brothers and sisters. That, that deepest need to see God, that, that is what is highlighted in the very last chapter of the scriptures, Revelation 21. It says that one day we will see his face. That's something that we can look forward to with anticipation. We can look forward to with hope because Jesus has made a way for us so that we have a place with God in his kingdom, in the new creation. He has shown us the way to God in himself so that one day we will see God. Again, whatever needs we have this morning, whatever, whatever struggles that you have, whatever lack there is, and we all have it. It could be money, it could be friendship, There could be all sorts of things that we feel sharply this morning. We don't have it. I want you to know and and, and put those needs in the context of the fact that our deepest need has been met in Christ. That we can know God in him. And it doesn't mean that all those other needs are going to suddenly disappear. But we can rest assured knowing that Jesus is going to take care of us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you again for this word that you meet our deepest needs. Lord, we thank you that you have not left us with a set of rules to follow so that if we do them well enough, we will possibly get to see God one day. But Lord Jesus, you have you have shown us that you are the way, that as we draw near to you, Lord Christ, we draw near to God, and we can have fellowship with you and the Father and the Spirit. 
Lord, help us to rest in that this week as we go about our lives, as we go to our jobs, as we care for our families. Lord, whatever struggles are in this room, we pray that they would, you would bring comfort knowing that you have met our deepest need. And I ask this in Christ's name, amen.